May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I returned last night from a very brief trip down to New Jersey for the funeral of a dear friend and mentor of mine. We will pray for him in the prayers of the people. The Right Reverend G.P. Melick Belshaw. He was the ninth bishop of New Jersey, and he was a bishop for 20 years in New Jersey. And before that, he served as the rector of a large parish in Rumson, New Jersey. So, as you can imagine, his funeral was filled with many people whose lives he had touched through baptism and confirmation and weddings and ordinations. Um, He was a a beloved man, a well-respected leader in the faith. And he was my friend. And at the funeral, the, the homilist did a brilliant job of not celebrating Melek as a bishop, but celebrating Melek as a companion, an earthly companion with us on our faith journeys. Just a person, just like the rest of us. So today in our scripture, John gives us another companion in our journey. Just a person. Nicodemus. We're told he's a well-known, well-respected man of the Jewish faith. He comes to Jesus in the night because he's curious. He's heard things about the miracles Jesus has done. And as a prominent person in a complicated context, he doesn't feel free to confront Jesus in the daylight. So he comes to him under cover of darkness. If you read my reflection this week, I tried to lay out a little bit of what John does in his gospel. John very clearly sets up a binary of darkness and light. He wants to make sure that there's a contrast and a clear division, a really strong metaphor about dark and light. For John, those who live in the darkness are the people who are not yet enlightened. John proclaims that Jesus is the light of the world from before time, and those who are saved see the light and live in this light. Now, as you can imagine, because of this theme of light and dark in John's writing, many interpreters over the centuries have denigrated Nicodemus for coming to Jesus in the dark. They suggest that he is afraid not faithful, not enlightened, an example of those who do not see the light of Jesus as the savior of the world. And given the context in which the gospel writer of John was writing and the conflict that was going on then between Jews and Christians, at the time he was writing, he probably intended that interpretation. But if we believe that scripture is a living word, I want to suggest that we entertain Nicodemus with a more sympathetic ear. Because for many of us, for many of us, we may be a lot like Nicodemus. Perhaps we are really curious about Jesus. But the world in which we live, our families, our culture, perhaps even in our church, make us feel uncomfortable confronting Jesus In the daylight, as it were, we may put on a confident face all day long and then weep 
as we pray to Jesus in the dark about the truth of our lives, our fears, our sorrows. We say our prayers in the dark, wondering about whether anyone is listening, whether God is real. We may lie awake at night wondering about God, wondering about Jesus, asking, what does it mean that he went to the cross for us? What does that mean? Darkness is safe. We can pray our prayers, express our doubts, plead our deepest longings to the one who knows us. So I think that Nicodemus is actually very brave. He doesn't just toss and turn. He gets up and goes to Jesus. He wants to find out about the miracles Jesus is doing. See for himself who Jesus is. Ask questions. Have a conversation. In their encounter, Jesus challenges Nicodemus. And Nicodemus does not drop everything and follow Jesus like the disciples we've been hearing about over the last few weeks. In some ways, I think Nicodemus is more like some of us. Like many of us, he is well-educated, diligent in his faith tradition, established in his career. He has a family and responsibilities. He does not have an instantaneous conversion experience. But he does listen to the tug on his heart to get up out of bed, put on his shoes, throw on his cloak, tread quietly out the door, down the street, to knock on the house where Jesus is staying. He's curious. The Spirit has moved him. He has heard things. His faith is a living thing in his life. And he wants to know more. In his conversation with Jesus, we see him struggle with his practical, logical assumptions. The same ones we have, right? How can someone be born again? How would we enter our mother's womb a second time? It makes no practical sense. He doesn't understand Jesus' metaphorical language. The image of being born anew. Not from our mother's body again, but born in a new way, by the Spirit, born anew from above. A transformation of our reality from the human condition to the new reality of God's kingdom. It's hard for me to criticize Nicodemus for not understanding this, because it's hard for me to understand it. Jesus... As John portrays him, is completely other. For John, God is incarnate, and his vision and his words, his very being, are of God. No wonder Nicodemus doesn't get it. No wonder we have a hard time getting it. One of the great things about our tradition is that we are people who ask questions. We're confident in our faith and in the gospel stories and in our prayers and in our worship. We're confident that it's okay for any one of us to have questions and doubts and fears. And it's okay because we trust that the Lord God, whom we worship, can handle our questions. 
And in the story of Nicodemus, we see that portrayed. He has questions. He gets answers from Jesus. But we're not told in the story whether he understands or not. By the end of the passage, Nicodemus has left the scene. I imagine him going home, crawling into bed, his wife saying, where have you been? I went to see Jesus. And I have a lot to think about. A lot to pray about. He's like us. A faithful person with questions. John tells us that Jesus says God sent his son to redeem the world so that those who believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Those are some things to ponder and pray about. No sin in wondering, in questioning, in saying, how can this be? For what we see in the world around us and in these companions that we have who walk with us, that there are many ways to come to faith, to be faithful. Some people are struck by lightning. Remember Paul on the road to Damascus? Some of us need the safety of a dark night to bear our souls to God and ask, where are you? Who are you? What does it mean to follow you? Some of us find and nourish our faith through study, loving God with our minds. Others need more time alone in silent prayer, being still. And others strengthen faith in community and conversation and in service to others. The truth is, most of us need a combination of all these things. Worship, study, prayer, and service. And each week we're given food. We're given food for that journey. Bread and wine. Christ's body and blood given for us. Food for our journeys. My favorite part of the story of Nicodemus isn't in today's passage. Nicodemus actually appears at the end of John's Gospel. He appears again. And where is he? He's at the foot of the cross. He comes bearing perfume and burial spices as Jesus' body is taken down from the cross. So Nicodemus got to the cross in his own way, in his own time. This season of Lent is our walk to the cross. May we each make our way there in darkness and in light, trusting that the road is wide, that the journey is personal, and that Jesus invites us, encourages us, challenges us, and loves us as we are along the way. May your Lent be a holy journey of question and prayer, worship and service. And may we be guided in our darkness by the true light. Amen.